Hey everyone, this is Frank, and welcome back to the Long Lost Heroes podcast, episode 4. Just want to let you all know that we had some technical difficulties with this week's episode, and we thank you for sticking through and bearing with us while we work out some of the kinks. Well, we hope you enjoy this week's episode, and look forward to having you back next week. Thanks. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Long Lost Heroes podcast, uh, recording live uh, with... AJ and Frank. Say hey, Frank. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Doing good, man. Uh, welcome back uh, to another fun-filled, exciting episode. Um, we've been gone for two weeks. Feels like a really long time. A lot has happened. Yeah, you know, uh, a good amount of stuff has happened in, in this, this little hiatus. You know, last, last time we chatted, we were talking about the Lego Batman movie, so we uh, didn't really talk news, so there's definitely a lot to go over. Oh my god, so much. Um, so I guess we'll start where everyone in the world seems to start, which is uh, with Star Wars. Two days ago, um, the first picture of the Han Solo film was released. That uh, is a cast picture in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon with the entire cast. You have here pictured uh, Woody Harrison, Chris Miller, Phoebe Wallace-Bridge, El- Eldon Iron. Ironreich, who is playing Han Solo, yeah. right next to him, Amelia Clark, Khaleesi herself, yeah. uh, John, new, the new Chewie, the new Chewie, who is, who is Jonas uh, Sutamo, Phil Lord, and Donald Glover. Yeah, and just to note that uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord are the directors of the film. They did the Lego Movie, the original one, and a couple other TV projects. So they. They have a twenty-one for, Jump Street, twenty-two yeah, Jump Street. Exactly. So yeah, they're they're in the cockpit there, kind of alluding to the fact that they're driving the ship. But uh, man, that that cockpit looks great, and they all look like they're having a blast there. So. Um, Do you think that they just have one cockpit? Um, probably not. I, I think there's probably a, a couple of different ones. There's one that's probably rigged up for uh, for motion. Um, you know, some of those. Uh, kind of like you're actually riding it and then there's probably one that's more stationary that they can walk around in and it's not quite as functional um maybe there's another i one would that's love like a to hat. know how many millennium falcons there are <laughs> <laughs> like or have ever been i mean cause... right or have ever been um I, okay uh what do you think of this picture do you have any thoughts on it i mean it is just a picture it's a very nice picture well my, uh, my first reaction is that uh, I, I'm digging Alden Ehrenreich. I'm sure we're going to get his name right by the time this this movie comes out. <laughs> um, he he looks like he's got that roguish charm going. He's got a cool jacket on. Uh, I, I think he he's going to get that right essence of Han Solo, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting that they have uh, uh, the actor in the the Chewbacca costume, um, especially because it was rumored that. Um, the actress on the left, Phoebe, is supposedly playing a droid, like a CGI character. So I'm kind of curious that they put him in the costume, but they actually had her in the shot. Um, right. Maybe so it could be like much. a motion capture kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. I love Donald Glover, but man, he looks serious in that photo. And, uh, I, you know, I, I'm a little hesitant because, you know... Lando, Billy D. Williams is so iconic, and you know, I I think he'll be great. Um, I'm just kind of interested why he's 
why he looks so serious. <laughs> um, well, I think that's going along with like his new thing. I don't know. He's he's pretty great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I I love this picture. I think it's nice. I will say one thing. Um. Say what you want about Rogue One and all the marketing that went out into it. Mm-hmm. God damn it. That movie didn't let anything on. There was no hints. There was no real, you know, it didn't really bring you in to what they're doing. Yeah, I could figure out what this movie's probably going to be just by looking the way that these characters are kind of set up. Like, yeah. I feel like, you know, we're going to meet Han. He's going to be... I don't want to spoil the movie for everybody, so (laughs) so I'll stop there. But, you know, um, I think they could have done something a little bit... uh, I don't know if they... I would have shown Chewie. I agree with you. I don't know. um, You know, know, I don't know. I I feel like this is going to be... This is definitely a tougher battle, a harder uphill climb as a movie. Yeah, and, you know, it, it makes me wonder, you know, um, that, you know, Woody Harrelson is supposed to be the mentor figure here, um, and, uh, you know, how much he's going to have a role, or, you know, how much Donald Glover will be involved, like, will will there be any ties back to, you know, the original cast, or, in, in a sense, like, will there be a framing device of, like, an old uh, Lando, played by Billy D. Williams, like, thinking back on their times, like when they met and how, how Han got the Millennium Falcon or something like that. Or, or is it truly just going to go straight in? Um, but you know, they really could do anything like as Rogue One, uh, showed us, they can change up the framing. They can change up, you know, they, you know, they got rid of the swipes, they got rid of the scrolls. Uh, so this may just be a totally different tone. I'm curious to see what this is. I, I love everybody here. I'm excited for this movie, but I'm also incredibly nervous, much yeah. more so than I was with Rogue One. And I think that we... Uh, I think that there... Uh, I'd be curious to see, as this movie develops, what happens. You know, we know that there are reshoots on Rogue One. Yeah. Um, you know, that could be... You know, I'm sure that's present of all these big movies... But I'm curious to see how this movie does. I'm sure, you know, with Chris, you know, and uh, Phil, you know, trying, doing their best directing, which is what they do. Yep. This is kind of their, this is their big shot in the dark. So yeah. I'm hopeful for these guys. But yeah. God damn it, don't fuck up Han Solo. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like, I, I, we'll be able to get into deeper speculation later as we get on uh, over sure. the coming months. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I did think it was curious that they they kind of stuck to the uh, to their ground with the the May release date. Um, there were rumors that it might get pushed back, but you know, so obviously May 2018, uh, a little over a year away. Um, and then the other thing, I thought uh, Tandy Newton, uh, the actress who's from Westworld, was confirmed for this movie. So if she's not confirmed, that's one thing. If she's not pictured, I wonder why. Um, so those are kind of my uh, last thoughts on it. That, but. You know what, though? that That's fine. I think that, you know, the cool thing about that first cast photo of Rogue One was just, like, oh, they're all wearing their clothes. They're in this, like, they're obviously in a hangar, like, look cool. Like, when you're going to take a picture in the Millennium Falcon, and we know how big the Millennium Falcon just was in Episode Seven, Right. You know, like, 
we get we get a lot of Millennium Falcon, you know, like don't kill the spe- how special yeah. <laughs> it is. It's not, you know, if they're going to be in the Millennium Falcon, I hope it's for the end of the movie, and it, it is not, you know, present the entire time because right. I don't want Disney to be reappropriating the Millennium Falcon. Uh, no. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I think it'll be great to see it in there, um, but I, I hope it's not in there throughout the entirety of the movie. I think that would kind of spoil the essence of what it is. It, you know, similarly to how in Force Awakens it wasn't in there until the beginning, and when you finally saw it, it was a great big moment. So, you know, it'd be nice to, to have something like that, um, you know, his first encounter with it. Yeah, so. definitely. All right, so moving on to something that just started, to something that's just starting to come out. Logan, the last film uh, featuring Hugh Jackman as his uh, character Wolverine, um, is going to be coming out next week. We're not going to be talking about it next week, so we're going to talk about it now. Um, It is currently sitting pretty at 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, man. Getting really, really great reviews everywhere. Uh, I personally haven't read any. (laughs) is fierce for this movie. Yes, uh, and I, I feel like rightfully so. It uh, all the marketing, the trailers, um, the music that they use, uh, just the 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 campaign around it is just doing a really great job of selling it as his last his last time wearing the claws. And you know, it's gritty, it's dark, it's rated R. So uh, it, it I think they they had to do a little bit more to make sure people are going to come out and see it because you're not going to have your you know ten year olds that are you know, loving Wolverine go. Um, but man, it looks great. I'm really it excited. It looks so good. <laughs> um, it looks so good. And it, I think the other exciting part is that, uh, obviously when, uh, the original X-Men movie came out almost 17 years ago, uh, that was, he was one of the characters that really stuck with us. Um, and that's the reason why he was the first one to get his own spin-off movie. And unfortunately, the X-Men Origins Wolverine was um, undesirable. <laughs> and and the, the, the sequel to that, the Wolverine that came out uh, like four years ago, wasn't bad, but I think they are really going to nail this one. Um, loosely based on the, the comic storyline Old Man Logan, uh, which is much loved in the comics community, is you know a really interesting take on uh, the X-Men universe. And... Um, you know, the other thing is there's still a lot unsaid about this movie as much as they have uh, advertised it. You know, there's still a, a bit of mystery around uh, what is actually happening and how this kind of fits into the X-Men universe overall. You have a great point in that we we don't know that question. You know, 17 years ago when Wolver- when Wolverine first came on screen in the first X-Men movie, you know, who could have predicted that he would be the longest continuing, you know, uh, actor for any superhero ever. Yeah. Anyone ever in history, like, that is, that goes to Hugh Jackman. And it seems like they're taking, you know, they're going very carefully with it. They want to give us, you know, that hard R Wolverine movie that I think everyone's kind of been after for so long. Um but you know, I gotta say, I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous for it to end. I'm sad to oh, see yeah. it go. I I don't, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of chatter, 
you know, it's or it seems I'm hearing, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it seems that there are people talking about a Deadpool Wolverine movie to come, you know, and to be totally honest, uh, you know, if if that were to happen, great, but you know, that kind of stuff is not what you know uh, they need to do now. No, you know, it, it really isn't, and they need to go on with the New Mutants, and they need to continue. You know, down their own path. Like, truth be told, like, we don't know, you know, how the fans are going to react to this. We don't know, you know, we haven't seen it yet, so we don't know, you know, re- reality what it's like. Right. But, you know, I'm very happy, you know, for uh, Hugh Jackman. Yeah. That he gets to go out on top. Like, that's really kind of cool and and unheard of for superhero actors. Like, think about Christopher Reeve. Like, yeah. He went out with Superman for the quest for peace. People hate that movie. And you know, think about uh, Tobey Maguire, like the, the first yeah, Spider-Man, Spider-Man three, and, sure. Yeah. So uh, you know, and, and the other thing is that this truly kind of launched his career. And you know, he's a a big movie star now, and he I'm sure is ready to not be working out crazy amount every single day to get that ripped and just kind of relax and, and take on some other interesting roles. And uh, it'll be good. Uh, for them to sort of pass the torch. Um. I agree. Like, I think it's vital to the success of X-Men going forward that they, they don't mess around. Pretty much what I'm saying is uh, a, a certain animantium skeleton graf, grafted mutant should not survive Logan. I, if, yeah, I, I uh, if he, if it's some kind of bullshit ending like Man of Steel, or not, excuse, not Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman, right, right, where he's like coming back to life in the end, uh, let this be it. Like, let this be that it. That would be such a bold choice, and it would be, um, you know, it would be definitive, and you know, no one could say anything bad right. about Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine. You could Good. say bad things about the movies, like. I don't know how much it's his fault that Wolverine, you know, X-Men Origins Wolverine sucks. It's probably not his fault, to be totally honest with you. You know, he you know, always he, delivered. I, I think it's mostly the scripts and the directing and the special effects and just some of the other creative choices. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I if he dies, I would be really sad. But at the same time, I, it would give us closure. And, you know, there's another character in this movie with claws you know, I don't know how grabbing she's going to be, but if they're trying to go younger with their characters and the, the actors and actresses in these movies, and she really steals the show, then you've got another person that can fill that mantle. Um, so, I don't know. I think she, she kind of, from what it looks like, it, she reminds me of Eleven from Stranger Things, just in the, her acting style. Yeah. I don't know if that's intentional or how real that is, but... Yeah, and you know... Hey, if she's anything like that, that'll be great. You know, that's a great point, because all the uh, advertising and photos that I saw of Stranger Things leading up to it, I was like, oh, this this girl seems like she's, you know, she's just fine. She, but, like, she did a great job, so if if she's anything like her, <laughs> then, then we've got uh, a winner on our hands. But, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'll, it's going to be... It's gonna be a tricky weekend, so that, that comes out uh, March third, next next Friday, which yeah. incidentally is the same time the Nintendo Switch and Zelda launch. So I'm gonna to have to balance my time <laughs> going to see a movie, but uh, it's I'm very excited for it, and it sounds like you are too. So 
I'm pumped. I'm, I can't wait. Um, and so moving over to another part of the uh, X-Men universe, it seems to be Simon Kinberg is set to be directing the next installment of the X-Men universe, uh, which uh, either is X-Men New Mutants or is something, but he, it looks like he's going to be directing it. Yeah, uh, there have been a lot of different projects kind of floating around for a while, um, both on TV and in movies, but sticking to movies, there's been the talks of the New Mutants movie, uh, which would kind of, I think, shift gears a whole lot, and it, they're going with a different cast. Um, but this is more the true sequel to Apocalypse and uh, Days of Future Past, and, and continuing on with the characters with uh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Michael Fassbender, um, and James McAvoy, um, and assuming also the younger cast, like Sophie Turner as uh, Jean Grey, and uh, the... the Tyler, someone for for uh, Cyclops, but th that that group of characters. Um, I like Simon Kingberg. I'm going to go out there and say it. I you know I've heard him in interviews and the the, the things he's always said about the X Men franchise has always been very positive to me. However, if you look at his credentials, there is a lot of positives and negatives on the the projects that he's been a part of. So the other sort of question mark is this would be his first stab at directing. So, you know, there's one thing about being a producer and a writer, but being behind the camera and directing is, is another thing entirely. What is your initial reaction on, on this, this possibility of him direction directing? I agree. I agree with everything you just said. I, I, I don't hate him. I am not, you know, in my ways, you know, uh, a hater. Um, but, I will say, um, there are some interesting, you know, entries in in you know Simon's career. Interesting, you know, parts. There's, you know, X Men First Class, X Men Days of Future Past, you know, uh, The Martian, Deadpool, X Men Apocalypse. He's been a producer on. As a writer, he's done uh, X Men Apocalypse, Days of Future Past. Uh, he wrote X Men Three. Yeah. Which is interesting. That is interesting. Um, and he also wrote uh, fan, fan Four Stick. Uh, oh, uh, that fantastic one. Work. That awful, awful um, movie. So, Simon Kimberg linked with so many different people. You know, obviously, you know, kicking ass in Hollywood. Um, yeah, I say take it away from what's his face. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's done his. I think he's had his run. I think Singer's done. I think he, uh, you know, he had a great success with the first two, wanted to do Superman, and then came back and had a great success with Days of Future Past, and maybe not so much with Apocalypse. And and, and I'm wondering if he. Um, I mean, because right now he's slated to direct the pilot for the X Men TV show, um, which which doesn't mean that he's going to completely shift gears to TV, and it doesn't mean that that show is going to get picked up to series, but um, I think he might want to help steer the ship and uh, bring in some new talent, because he can't make every single X-Men movie. It's it's crazy, and I think he's seen with uh, the, uh, the Deadpool movie, and um, I'm sure he's seen Logan, that there are other people that can uh, 
do a great job with these films. And so maybe think, he trusts his I think the, Simon. Yeah. I think the cool thing for the X-Men universe going forward is that they have, with Days of Future Past, they really gave any director or X-Men fan to come in later into the franchise an open sandbox to come in and enjoy. You know, yeah. when you touched upon where, you know, Wolverine fits now in this universe, does it necessarily follow the events that are taking place, you know, after X-Men Apocalypse? Like, we don't know. Does Deadpool, where does Deadpool fit in all that? Yeah. We don't know. So, you know, I think that they really do have so much tremendous, so tre- much tremendous freedom to play around and do things that, you know, maybe they really should try something totally, totally different. You know, we've yeah. seen so many X-Men movies where they do, you know, they're, they've done a lot with these characters, you know, they've killed most of them, <laughs> you know, they have. they've, uh, <laughs> Brought them they, back to life. <laughs> they brought them back to life. Uh, they've also, you know, uh, put these characters, at, you know, together in interesting ways. They've taken them apart. They've made factions. You know, they've uh, rebooted. More... They've rebooted them. Like, yep. they need to do something like kind of new that maybe we haven't seen before. Something that, you know, the X Men, you know, super nerds. You know, these real sweaties out there that can really identify, you know, fucking uh, really real nerd shit. You know, like, I, and to be honest, I don't I don't know if my knowledge of X-Men goes that deep. Right. Well, and, you know, the the interesting thing is that the rumors of this uh, what this movie would be, which is somewhat hinted at in in Apocalypse, is a true take on the Dark Phoenix saga, which they attempted to do in the third X-Men movie, The Last Stand, and is critically panned, and the uh, comic book fans were not uh, uh, happy with the, the take on it, and, you know, it just wasn't a well-received movie. And, you know, you've got Sophie Turner, who was a very um, appealing element of the last movie, and if, if she's the one that goes through the Dark Phoenix saga and if it's also rumored to set be, uh, take place in the 90s, I think you've got a really great nostalgia bit there, especially right now. 90s nostalgia is really in, and 90s X-Men is also really key. You know, that's when the, the cartoon was big, and, and you just have a lot of that color. And, you know, that's one of those things that people have been asking for since the first movie, you know, the, the yellow costumes and, 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 and all of that. So... You know, if they do that and they take it into space, maybe, and, uh, you know, they take it in a completely different direction than they ever have, that sounds exciting to me. And if Simon Kinberg is is the person that knows all those details and uh, either he has an idea of how all these movies fit together or he's completely thrown it out the window, um, it, it seems like a, uh, a good direction for them to go in um, have someone that is very much connected to the franchise uh, continue uh, and, and take the baton from Singer. Um, I, I guess my last thought is that uh, if, if this is um, the last movie in, in, uh, w- with these actors and actresses, uh, the, you know, the Jennifer Lawrence's and everyone, uh, maybe this is, this is their swan song and they're going to finish up and then reboot it in a couple of years who knows but 
I don't think you're going to get Jessica, not Jessica, excuse me, Jennifer Lawrence back ever. Um, I, 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 I'm sure she's not. I'm sure she's not listening. So I'm going to talk freely about how I don't like her as Mystique mm-hmm. after her performance in Apocalypse. I felt that she was so phoning it in. I felt that she was, you know, resentful of the situation, which is why they had her specifically more in her regular Jennifer Lawrence face than in Mystique's makeup. And, like, mm-hmm. yes, it's fine that, like, in the alternative rebooted universe, you know, Mystique wants to look like this. But let's not forget that, like, part of Mystique's character in the Brotherhood of Mutants is that she really embraces how she looks. That's true. So, you know, to kind of now, you know, do this, you know, I can understand how that could be super frustrating. So if she were to be done with it and they were to recast her, I really would not be bummed by it. If she were to return... I, I would more uh, sort of hope that they kill her off. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if we need her to continue on phoning this character in, which is a cool, fun character. And yeah. should be loved and got a ton of kick-ass respect and amazing things to do in Days of Future Past. That's true. And, you know, maybe, maybe she does sit this one out and they, they uh, leave it to the younger cast um yeah. to be the, the center of this movie and uh you know because i mean that's the other thing and that's what's been so hard to believe about the way the past three have gone they skipped 10 years and you know no one looks like they age 10 years so you know really are we going to believe that Jennifer right Lawrence but like mystique is... can kind of kind of look however she wants like right. we concede that like mystique like she's a shapeshifter so she's always going to look like jennifer lawrence that's okay yeah, yeah but, well, but the others i mean like your yeah, you're you're 100 percent right. Yeah. It it's it's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I think if they do one more movie, uh, I would love to see Michael Fassbender come back. I'd love him as Magneto. He's amazing. Yeah, he's easily my favorite part of any of the new X Men movies. He's really fun and cool and interesting. I think James McAvoy is a great actor. I think that there are parts of his performance as Professor X that are really, really great, and there are some parts of it where it's like, no, you're not Patrick Stewart. I don't want you no more. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard when they're competing with (laughs) the greats, uh, the ones that have done the role in the past. Um, Well, like, poor Ian McLennan, like, he could so do it again, like, I'm sure. He could fucking... Like, what the how hard is it to fucking, you know, act and be Magneto after he's done Lord of the Rings where he has to fucking put on all that shit and then hold the stick the whole time? Like, this is all he has to do is just wear a suit <laughs> yeah. and point his hands around. That's true, but, you know, he's, he's in his <laughs> 70s now, and, you know, he's doing less and less of those big blockbuster movies, so... He's, uh, but he's great, and, yeah. you know, I'm sorry for... Uh, James McAvoy for ripping on him because I think he's a really he's a really good actor and there are certain things that he was able to do with the character that are cool but it's he's just oh my god Patrick Stewart oh my god yeah yeah oh my god can't beat it and that that was one of the perks about Days of Future Past when you had both of them so you couldn't really uh, you know hate on the younger ones too much because you knew that they were working together and it and it pulled it off I mean, especially there was that one scene where you had them both in there so but uh you know we'll see uh I, I think the rumored title that i heard was supernova so um 
I don't know. I don't think I don't think that they should reattempt the Dark Phoenix thing. I think that you know what it's going to remind people of, and this is going to be super relevant when it happens. It's going to remind people of, uh, you know, this whole you know new Joker plotline thing. Yeah. That what can you have you know your characters really do every single time? Like, oh my God, she's gonna she has to do this. I, I think it would be good. It'd be cool if they could do that, but like nobody's gonna nail that. Like nobody's gonna nail the Lazarus Pit. You know what I mean? Right. And like they they tried. They took a big swing to do it. Nolan's way in Dark Knight Rises, and it's okay. But it's 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 not the Lazarus Pit. You know, I think that the the Days of Future Past is re- is a really great ex the best exponent of one of those high water you know, amazing, you know, uh, X-Men character arcs. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, but like if they do, like if they keep, if they keep killing Robin, (laughs) like how are we all going to (laughs) learn? Right. Well, I I mean, I think the difference is you've got, they could go about it in a different way. They like, seriously, if they take this movie to space, which that comic book arc is very much rooted in space. Right. Then it, that is something the X Men franchise has never done before. And regardless, if you're you're talking about uh, uh, Jean Grey becoming the Dark Phoenix, and even though that we've sort of seen that on the screen before, they they've sort of retconned it. They've rebooted the the timeline and all of that. So if it it's a great story, who cares if we've seen it before? It's a different actress doing it. It's not like we're seeing Famke Janssen doing the same thing. Um, so I don't know. I'm curious. I, I think if that's the way they're going, I you know I rather have an X Men movie than than not. Um, I just hope it's a good one. <laughs> um, right. But I, I'm, I, yeah, I'm uh, okay. This is where the, one of the first times we've maybe not come to a total agreement. But I'll tell you another place where I would plead ignorance on the subject, and that is on the television show Legion, <laughs> which I don't know anything about or know how it fits into X Men at all. Well funny you should ask so uh well as we speak the uh this is wednesday night the uh the third episode will be airing later tonight so i've not yet seen the third episode but i have seen episodes one and two um it is uh it airs i believe at 10 o'clock on fx um and the and i'm gonna not go into spoilers at all here like like i said uh i've seen it aj has not seen it um i want to sort of preach why people should see it because it is a very interesting show um uh the the basic premise is uh the main character uh legion or as his sort of alias from the comics um his actual name is david holler um and he is a very powerful mutant uh with telepathic and telekinetic abilities um but the the main premise of the show is that he doesn't know that he has these powers, and he thinks he um, is mentally ill, schizophrenic, um, and it, it starts off in a mental hospital. Um, but the the uh, the way the show is told, it, it is very nonlinear. You're you're jumping around in his memories, and uh, you you might be in the the past one minute, but you're hearing something from the future. Uh, you don't know what is actual reality and what is sort of a vision he's seeing. Um, and, and the the character, uh, 
David is, is played by an actor, Dan Stevens. Um, he's also the upcoming Beast in Beauty and the Beast. Uh, I think he was from Downton Abbey, but he, he does a really great job. He's very expressive, and especially with something um, uh, so cerebral, you, you kind of need that, uh, like, that there's something else going on, and, you know, he, he's hearing things, and does someone else in the room actually hear what he's hearing or see what he's seeing? Um, and I, I think the other really interesting thing about the show is the music. And it, the, the show itself has a very uh, retro 60s, 70s sort of vibe to it, but with a, a modern twist. Like, everyone looks like they're dressed from the 60s, 70s, maybe hairdos, that kind of style. But then, like, in some later scenes, they have some technology, like iPads and things like that. Um, but the, the music, it really... Uh, gives off a Dark Side of the Moon kind of vibe, and uh, the the composer of the series is doing a great job. They they have some some songs that I you know I didn't necessarily recognize like oh that's so and so from this or whatever, but I think it's mostly original music that's supposed to evoke that sort of uh, vibe. That's and cool. It's really cool. And one of the characters, his uh, his love interest, um, a fellow mutant. Her name is Sid Barrett, <laughs> which is really cool because, you know, obviously Sid Barrett was a member of Pink Floyd. But uh, it, it's just, it, 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 it really grabbed me from the start. Uh, the uh, it, You have to be patient with it, I think. You know, it's like I said, I've only seen the first two. I think there's eight, there will be eight total. Um, I think they're going to take their time with it. But it's uh, from the creator of uh, the TV show Fargo. Um, which I have not seen, but have heard wonderful things about um, by Noah Hawley, and he's just so. Is it anyway connected to X Men? Uh, as far as uh, so far, no. And I, the other things I've heard is that it's not uh, ne necessarily connected to the X Men universe. But they have said mutants, and there are mutants in this universe. But uh, whether it c connects in some way to the movies or just alludes to. Uh, you know, the X-Men or Professor X or anything like that. I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, it, it's interesting that they are including that because it so much could be its own thing. But I'm, I'm just hoping that because they have the license that they're actually going to do something great with it. Um, but that it's it's very, very compelling. I definitely recommend it, um, you know, especially while it's only just started. Um, yeah. So... Yeah. I mean, an X-Men TV show seems like always would have been great, you know. Uh, it, it's a, an incredible, you know, ensemble of amazing characters that, you know, so that that have a ton of great lore to draw from, you know, that, that goes beyond right. what yeah. they're always doing in the movies. Um, yeah, and so, uh, there yeah. is a, uh, an X-Men TV project or one or two in the works, um, so we'll see if if those come to anything, but I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything here, but the character Legion has a very defined connection to the X-Men characters that we know and love. Um, and I won't say what that is in case it comes up in the show, but you know, so spoilers there, but it, it not really. Um, so if that happens in the show, that'd be really exciting. Um, but I will say no more. <laughs> Interesting. So, okay. Um, so building upon that, uh, you know, that was kind of a lightning round of all these like crazy do stories. That was fun. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. That was that was a fun segment. Yeah, so man. I think talking about music, you know, we don't talk about music a whole lot, but I, I think uh, it's a, a huge part of our lives. Obviously, this podcast is. is named after our old band, so music is very important to us. So, uh, sure, sure. Um, it's fun. I'm excited to do this because it's the first time I think I've ever broken a news story before. Um, so, or we've broken for that matter. Uh, so, Frank, you've listened uh, to uh, the new um, album, This Is Steve, from uh, Steve Marion uh, and the band Delicate Steve. Delicate Steve has been around uh, for a few years. They've had a few different uh, studio albums and EPs. First one coming out in uh, 2011 with Wonder Visions, which is really a masterpiece. Oh, yeah. uh, it's an excellent album. Uh very acoustic, but also uh, heavily synthesized. Uh, really nice. Uh, I followed it up that with uh, Positive Force, which is also great, m- m- very much a sequel to Wonder Visions. And now, uh, you know, almost five years later, um, just releasing with now with Anti Records, uh, this is Steve for 2017. Uh, Frank, what did you think of the record? I, I thought it was great. Uh, it. You know, I, I haven't been listening to this band for quite as long as I think you have, but it, I really just love the um, acoustical element in, in an acoustic sense that there are not really lyrics. It's more of an instrumental uh, focused band. And uh, it just, they, they I can just tell that the influences that they have are some of my favorite bands <laughs> because they, yeah. they have so many elements in there uh, just with the the various guitar riffs and the melodic uh, notes that they go through and uh, it, it, it's just it, it's interesting to listen to and you can have it on in the background as as something or you can be hyper focused and listening to it and looking for all the intricacies of it um, it is I, I was very impressed I, I want to listen to it again i uh, like I said, only really just listened to it, but I'm I'm definitely a fan so far. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I I really dug this record too. Um, but I will say, and uh, you know, I I think we want to get into. Uh, this is tough because I'm just taking up airspace here. I'm going to talk about how I first experienced this record because I got it as a record. And I waited uh, to listen to the record. What is a record? (laughs) Well, Frankel, a record is a 12-inch piece of vinyl. Uh, It's a disc, circular, circular disc. Has these grooves on it, these micro grooves. And through playing a very tiny specialized needle, you can actually make beautiful, beautiful music appear analog (laughs) out of the world, out of the thin air, my friend. So I have one of these, and I waited to receive this record uh, from Steve, I guess. Um, It came, immediately played it, um, and I liked it, and I thought it was really great. um, But i got to be honest, I felt it was a little bit slow. Like, this seems a little bit slower for Steve. Definitely feels a little bit more chilled out. You know, definitely feels a little bit you know, more lo-fi than, you know, Wonder Visions, which had a definitely an up kind of pep- peppiness to it and, you know, poppy peppiness to it the whole time yeah. that I did not hear the first few times I listened to this vinyl at my house. 
few days go by, and me and my lovely fiance Shana Goldberg are about <laughs> to venture out into the world to continue our, you know, investigation into the wedding venue of our dreams, uh, <laughs> which is hard to find. Uh, anyway, uh, we got in the car, and I put on this. I put on this. Uh, record using Siri on my iPhone in the car because I don't like to look at the screen anymore when I'm driving. If you can charge your phone up to a certain percentage and you leave it plugged in, I can just like yell at my phone in the car and it turns it on. Sure, I did so, not know so is what album they were playing. iTunes or through Spotify or, or something like that? iTunes. Okay. iTunes. And I played it and I did not recognize the album. I'm like, what happened? And I play the record through, and or I play the digital files through, the album length worth of files. And I think, and uh, I, I don't want to be you know totally crazy here, but I think that the LP uh, may have been mastered at the wrong speed. Well, you certainly present an interesting case here, and, and you sent me the files of uh, a couple snips from, from your, your vinyl and, uh, you know, alongside some of the, the clips from the digital version. And I verified it with my version that I was listening to. And there is a very clear difference. Uh, they literally sound like two different songs uh, or, you know, all the songs lined up. Each one, there are two different versions. Now, let me ask you this. A, do you think this was intentional? B, do you think it could be something that's wrong with your specific vinyl? Or C, something wrong with your specific vinyl player? Okay. So I'm going to address the last question first. Okay. It is not my record player. I have hundreds of records. I bought this record player within the last year. Um, I calibrate it. Um, you know, regularly. Um, and I can honestly say that I've been playing records for uh, almost an entire year perfectly and never have had this problem before. Okay. Um, secondly, um, I, uh, I'm a little bit, um, I consider myself a little bit lucky because I know somebody who is at one point, you know, in the record business in the 70s when vinyl were around and I've asked people questions, you know, about why vinyl is, you know, sounds better. So how vinyl is necess is, is made is uh, they take the stylus and they impress uh, the sound kind of into a, a disc, right? And that disc is what's called a mother, right? Sure. And then they use that mother then to make a mold and then they pour the plastic PVC pellet vinyls into it. They heat it up and they squeeze it. And that's how you make records. Um, now it, when you master the recording, um, is when you, uh, take whatever, you know, whether, you know, a lot of bands nowadays will use digital files. Some people will use tapes, um, you know, that's more of the analog tradition and that's how it's been done for many years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I can also say that some of the records that I have, I know that were recorded digitally, specifically the victory records from a time period 
uh, we you know won't try to reminisce too hard about, but the emo days of our young <laughs> youth. Uh, these records sound like shit because they were recorded and mastered digitally, and they weren't remastered to be put out on the vinyl. Right. So it sounds like complete garbage. Yeah, because it, when a a file is recorded digitally, you you don't have quite as much of the range, uh, the audio range, the spectrum is really cut down. And so then if you put it on to the the vinyl piece, you're not getting the entire spectrum of sound. And so if you did it in the opposite direction and you're reducing it down, it it doesn't sound quite as bad, but, and that's something that we've become used to, but yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So now having kind of gone through all this, you know, and kind of trying to put it together in my mind of, where this went wrong and if this is just my record well obviously it can't just be my record because this record is mastered you know uh out of pvc it's 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 made out of hundreds and hundreds at a time and it's probably made even more in in a boutique style because vinyls aren't made that much today so i assume that if this story were to ever get out and if you know steve were to ever hear this and his fans were also to recognize what's going on here I think very could possibly be that Steve was going to owe everybody a new vinyl. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's certainly a possibility. Having said that, and this is more of my you know kind of crazy thing, and we're going to play all the different um, you know recordings that we have. Unfortunately, we don't have perfectly good Audacity Crisp files. I would be happy to upload you know video files of me holding the camera, pointing it at the vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> you could see it spinning if we need to get to that level. But well, I'm really hoping that other people can join me in this uh, discussion. I think it's something that needs to be said. That, you know, unfortunately, this boutique style of the way the vinyls are pressed right now um, is not perfect. And it needs to be handled. And if we're going to be paying 30-some dollars for a piece of plastic, it will be made right. Yeah, man. So, now, I think there there are kind of two things that way we can approach this so we can either go the route of well like you said you haven't necessarily heard from anyone else that has this vinyl and if they have the same issue so i think we from step one we should probably try to find some other people maybe on twitter or something like that 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 got it or one either you or i buy a second one and find out uh i don't have a vinyl player so i'd be kind of pointless i'd use it as a frisbee um but (laughs) (laughs) you know or you know someone else that we know that has a a record player um or we can go the route of maybe they have some sort of customer service uh that you can contact and and perhaps they they might have heard of this already like you know bands today they don't have um you know customer service you know it's not it's not a distribution company it's it's fucking steve and he's making this awesome kick-ass music that we all fucking love. Right. And for whatever fucking reason, these assholes fucked up his record. Right. Well, and so, you yeah, know? I think we need to approach it more in the line that obviously Steve is not the guy that's sitting there pressing the, the, the records. So well, someone this is did the this point for I was him. getting to earlier. Yeah. Did you listen to the 45 uh, speed of Cartoon Rock? I did. Did you think that sounded right or did you think it sounded fast? Um, no, that sounded right to me because I listened to the 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 version on Spotify originally. And do you think that maybe he's just playing a prank and they mastered 
the vinyl at 45 RPM just to fuck with everybody? I, well, I, you know, it may not be to, to do that. It may be for a creative reason. Maybe, you know, like bands have done crazier things. It says 33 RPM on top of the vinyl. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, if it says 33 RPM, that to me, that's a, a, a rate per minute speed of how, how fast this thing is spinning versus a 45 is faster. So, you know, yeah. is it intentional? It could be. Um, it's certainly an interesting choice. And, and uh, you know, I, I haven't done enough research, and I don't know if you have, but if they came out and said that they were doing this specifically for a creative reason, saying that, you know, we really liked the way that we've recorded these, but, you know, it sounded really cool, slowed down. You know, if that was their intention, great. But it doesn't seem like that's the case. Well, you see, and this is really kind of the bummer point that, you know, is made. Songs like Tomorrow, songs like uh, Driving, songs like Together, and This is Steve, sound really, really, really spacey. So it's it's almost like the point of like, well, what what is this? Like, what kind of sound is, is this even going for? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know. I, I just hope that somebody out there has also had this issue is thinking about this and, and you know, is thinking that we demand better of, the, of these vinyl pressing people and that they, they can do better. And if they're going to charge us 30 bucks, they better fucking do their job because right. shit is expensive. Yeah. Well, shit is know, very expensive. If anyone else that's listening has uh, uh, been a fan of, of Delicate Steve and has this, uh, this vinyl, let us know if you had a similar problem. I think we're going to try to, to champion this here and uh, get the word out a bit and, you know, get to the bottom of this and, and maybe we'll even contact Steve himself and say, what's going on, man? This this is weird. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's certainly certainly an interesting thing that you, that you stumbled upon. Um, so, but, alas, the... Uh, the, the week is almost over. The week is we almost over. We got to over. Wednesday. We got to Wednesday. Short week for me. I, you know, starting to feel it, though. That, Dude, I, so <laughs> even, even after, you know, you know, all the wedding stuff that I have now, you know, taken into my responsibility and, you know, I've now been begun to plan for, you know, nothing always seems as daunting anymore as trying to see all of the Oscar movies before the Oscars for me. Ugh. Every year, <laughs> I get so far in the weeds about the Oscar movies, and I see most of them. I never see all of them. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I have to agree with you there. Uh, I feel like most years, I almost see none of them, uh, which is kind of a shame, um, and I want to change that because I know a lot of these movies every year are are really critically acclaimed and they deserve some of these nominations but unfortunately most of them are not in the same uh cultural conversation that we are in obviously we just spent you know 50 minutes talking about comic book movies and star wars movies and none of them are on this list so um well yeah you're you have a good you have a good point you have a good point like uh do, does nerd culture owe anything to, you know, other cinema that takes place besides what's in our bubble? I think absolutely. Oh, sure. Totally. I, and, I, and I think that we have to be 
you know, it as political and as ridiculous the Oscars can be, I think they do serve a good purpose to the general public, which is see these movies, Absolutely. you know, and uh, it's it's less like the Grammys, which I think is so much more subjective in its music, and you know we can talk about you know that whole thing some other time. Sure. Uh, but you know I think that the, the best thing an Oscar does for a picture is that it it, it gives it a really amazing platform. It it shows you know uh, among the other films that everyone everyone knows what a movie is nowadays. Everyone's seen a movie. That you know, these are the ones you should go check out. Right, and I think something also is to be said of an Oscar-nominated movie. Absolutely, uh, which, is, which is great. And you know, most times in marketing, you hear uh, Oscar-nominated director or direct uh, actor, so and so. You know, they didn't win, but they're that level. So you know, I, I don't want to run through every single category here because I think we'll be here forever. But I, I'm just I just want to talk off, about the Best Picture nominees. I'm I just going to run off the list of movies really quick. Um, obviously, uh, th- this is Wednesday, so the Oscars are on Sunday, and we'll find out the uh, the results uh, that night. So we've got Arrival, uh, Fences, Hackshaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight. And now I'm going to run off the movies that I have seen. Arrival, and that's it. <laughs> so, I apologize to everyone. I, uh, I'm not going to be very helpful in this conversation, but I'm going to kind of turn it over to AJ real quick here. <laughs> okay, so uh, of the Oscar movies that Frank named, I've seen La La Land, Hell or High Water, Arrival, and uh, Hidden Figures. Um, I am looking forward to completing uh, this list. I'd, I'd love to see Lion... Moonlight and uh, I think Hacksaw Ridge uh, before the end of the week, uh, or if not before the end of the week, before uh, the Oscars. Um, so let me just quickly talk about um, why I think uh, a few of these movies uh, are are really cool. And one I think I, I you know I'd like to uh, kind of begin with here. The favorite in a lot of ways is La La Land. Sure. Um, so. La La Land is a, is a movie that I saw in theater with Shayna that in seeing it in the theater, I loved it. Um, going with Shayna was super fun. Uh, the musical aspect of it, the visual aesthetic of it, it it's, it's really a, a treat. La La Land, I think, is too ridiculous to win. I think that it's such a blowjob to Hollywood for that specific purpose that um, I would be kind of bummed if it, if it really won. Well, you know... Uh, I think it's nominated in enough categories that, like, if it doesn't win Best Picture, it's going to win in other places, um, whether it be one of the actors or actresses or screenplay, something like that I could see happening. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know if it's got the Best Picture in it. Now, this is coming from someone that hasn't seen it, but just knowing the hype around the movie, it just, I don't know. I don't know if it's... I saw two movies yesterday and today that I think are totally not going to win, but are great movies in and of themselves. Uh, Hell or High Water and Hidden Figures. Um, dude, uh, Hell or High Water, what a great movie. Um, really fun movie from start to finish. Um, I, I, I dug it. It was uh, a new Western in some ways. Um, moving, you know, Having said that, it wasn't 
you know, nobody's performance in it was just amazing. It was just a very great movie. Okay. Um, which, similarly, which can be said about Hidden Figures, as good as this movie is, um, I think that it serves its purpose as, you know, a, you know, school, you know, uh, absent, you know, uh, teacher, substitute teacher kind of day. It's great. You know, it, the story is really interesting. It's about these, it follows specifically these three black women, but there's also other uh, black ladies who are working with them, and they are what were called computers. They're great mathematicians that do these calculations at Langley in NASA, right. but they are treated horribly. So uh, this, you know, uh, Taraji P. Henson um, plays this woman, Catherine Gobbler, and she comes in and uh, she starts working specifically on the Mercury 7, uh, you know, first launches into outer space. She does um, Alan Shepard, Gus Grissom, and then she also does John Glenn in the new Atlas rocket. So um, it, it focuses on her ability to do math, you know, and to do what she needs to do in that system. Octavia Spencer is also in it. She plays uh, a character named Miss Vaughn. Uh, she's great, and she plays like the one of the first women to um, uh, understand and you know be able to teach the first IBM computers that they had uh, at NASA. Uh, it was great. It was really a good movie, um, but it also had those same like biopic tropes of you know soft piano, you know opening song. You know, she, you know, falls in love, but she's working really hard, and then they kick her out, and at the last minute they need her, and she comes and saves the day. Um, and it's great, um, and it's a cool story, and I dig it, and I'm, you know, happy that um, it exists because it's so important for us to look at the work that they did and, you know, take heed of what happened. Uh, having said that, I don't think this movie is going to win I think there's a certain little bit of cheesiness to it that is um, not its own fault. It's not the, the movie didn't. It's not the movie's fault. It's uh, our the audience's fault of seeing so many bad exponents of this being done before with you know lesser stories or garbled attempts. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I just think this movie is going to live on eternally as uh, you know. A movie to watch in school, um, which is which is sad because you know the the performances are great. I uh, you know so, I mean I'm curious. that being said, with the performances, do you think um, was it Octavia Spencer's nominated for something in this one and uh, support? She's nominated for supporting. Yeah, right? do you think that she has? Uh, oh, I think she I think she could so win, um, but uh, you know it. It's it's very good. It's a good movie. You know, it's 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 not a performance that drives you like to see like Emma Stone like really gave it in her all in La La Land. It was she an amazing singer? Is she, you know, you know the best, most amazing dancer? No, but she did something in that role that was so different and unique. I don't I don't I don't know. Okay. Well, who it's a re who's a really shame who did not get nominated and brings us to our next film, which we both can talk yeah. about. Is a rival. Amy Adams is not nominated for Best Actress. I know, and that really surprised me. Um, Isn't that bullshit? I I think so. I it, it's it's a shame, but again, like I said, I I have only seen one of the the movies that. And the thing is, it's not that 
it's not that the movies nominated for Best Picture need to be, uh, it doesn't trickle down. You know, there are movies that, uh, there are people that are nominated for Best Actor, Best Actress uh, from a movie that wasn't nominated for Best Picture. It's not quite as common, but it happens. But still, you would think that, you know, Amy Adams did an amazing, amazing job in that movie. Uh, You know, that whole movie is about communication. And, you know, like, that is what an actress does. And portraying that, um, you know, element throughout, uh, you know, while communicating with the aliens and, uh, you know, telling a story that was not quite so linear, um, you know, I thought she did a really great job. I mean, just there are elements of that movie that I was just shocked that of the way it went, but, um, it's sort of, sort of, sort of heartbreaking in a lot of ways too. And, you know, I, it, she really sold me on that. Like, I mean, I, between her and Jeremy Renner, I mean, I would definitely say Amy Adams was, was the role, but that was the, she was the, the lead of that movie. Um, totally. Oh, so. yeah. So like one of the things that I think, you know, arrival, like why it's such a great kick-ass movie is, I think it has things in there that I haven't watched yet for the second time, but I'm sure that there's going to be things in there that I'm going to get that are going to be totally different this time around. And I cannot wait. Yeah. And I think that like, uh, you know, this movie, I was watching a, a, a good little, you know, video essay on this the other day and they were talking about how this movie is like had an answer to other movies that have, that have come out that like, just don't say anything and how like this movie is all about communication and stuff. And I was watching and I'm like, yeah, 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 I agree. But like, it's just a good, simple sci-fi story yep. that is executed with that integrity. Like it, it, it's, it's complex for sure. There are parts of it that if you're not, you know, a real, if you're not like in it to be in it, I'm sure it could get confusing or it could feel, um, you know, a little convoluted. But I think for a lot of us, like we've been kind of waiting for something that's kind of new and original and, uh, and, and straightforward enough to, to, to not fuck with us. And, and it, I love the, the aliens. I thought that they, the, the way that they created them was really, really cool. I loved the little, uh, squid words (laughs) that they made, uh, you know, I, I believe they're called heptapods, AJ. <laughs> right, right, right. The, I, I love them. They were great. Um, um, yeah. I really, du- I really dug the uh, uh, the message that they taught us to not think so linearly and, like, how that this language like, – spoiler alert – that this language that they taught us, you know, was uh, – you know how to see time yeah. differently than even possibly imagine. Yeah, and it's such an interesting that, concept. That part was crazy. You know, I mean, so like then that got that, me thinking: Were the aliens at a certain point communicating with Amy Adams before she even came on the ship, and that's why she was having that flashback at the beginning of the movie? I, I mean, there are so many different ways to look at it, and I think that's like you said a uh an element that we might get from a rewatch um where you know you might look at things differently like oh you know at this point she's already had had the contact or not um but yeah i I think it's it's just a really cool take on 
the element of time in movies. Um, obviously, there's movies that have done time travel and and other things like that, but this isn't so right. But like, think about all those other movies, like like even like the day the Earth stood still, the original. You know, if you want to count the Keanu Reeves short, mm-hmm. but like even the day that the Earth stood still, it's essentially the same idea. Like here come the aliens. There have been other Twilight Zone, you know, that that have done with this. But like, how cool is it that this guy took a saucer lands on Earth, a saucer's land on Earth, people freak out, story, and made it so his own, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I-, I loved uh, one of my favorite little things that was in it was, and like these, this is something like I love to obsess over, like how the Chinese were, to the in the movie there are a few different alien ships that land all around the world. And there's one of them that lands in the South China Sea. And the Chinese primarily are communicating with that one. There are other ships that are located elsewhere where other you know, nations of the world are also communicating with them. The United States has one in Montana, and they're communicating with everybody else around the world. So at a certain point in the movie, um, they uh, say, or it is revealed, that the Chinese are playing mahjong with the aliens. <laughs> and like to me that always seemed like such an like a beautiful little thing because it makes sense that you would play a game with them. But if you teach them a game like that's why they got that specific like translation. Like it was so it I really dug that part of the movie. Um yeah, yeah that attention to detail. I, I really I really dug it. I I wish that this movie could win. I don't think it's going yeah, to. It's kind of it's, it's uh, a shame, and, and I think it's um, it's interesting that it was sort of almost like a blockbuster movie in disguise. Like I feel like some of the advertising right. and stuff like that was like alien invasion, like make you think like Independence Day. But then it just you just go and you sit and you go along for the ride, and you're like, oh wow, this is a different. Deep. It's <laughs> way more, yeah, way more deep. And you know, it, I um, after the fact, I. I didn't realize at the time that it was based on um, a series of short stories. Now, I didn't actually go back and read the short stories, but I I basically got um, a good synopsis of of what they were. And it just, uh, you know, the the guy that that wrote these were, he was just a genius. And just the the concept that they, and, you know, I I think, I I really think that this movie, at, at the very least, has a really, really good chance of um, winning the adapted screenplay um, sure. and possibly best director. I mean, it's it's a stunning-looking movie. Um, I, I agree. I think sci-fi has probably still got its time uh, to come for best picture. But yeah. uh, it, I, I loved it. Um, it was my favorite of the Oscar pictures that I've seen. <laughs> so... Let's talk. Let's talk briefly about the other movies sure. that we haven't seen, which are five other movies. Um, so there's a few of these I think that I, I want to talk about and can kind of make jokes on. There's a few of these I don't think need to be made jokes about. So I think that like I'm gonna leave Fences out of this. Yeah. Because I'm sure that Viola Davis and Denzel Washington took up a good play and made a really you know, fascinating movie that I'm still down to watch. So good on Four Fences. Um, Hacksaw Ridge is another one I'm going to discuss. I am a Jew. I'm not really a big fan of what Mel Gibson has said about the Jewish people in the past. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I would watch this movie. I heard that my dad watched it and he really liked yeah. it. Uh, 
so I would be down to, you know, maybe see this movie at one time, but yeah, I'm also not gonna, you know, make jokes about this. Yeah, movie. I'm I'm a little uh, surprised. I mean, I, I don't know Andrew Garfield for much else other than Spider Man, but I mean, he got nominated, so he must have done a good job here. But I I still I don't know how I feel about him in a war movie, but um, yeah, I I don't know if this one's got it either. From what I heard, it was super graphic and bloody. Sounds not like my kind of movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here's the movies I'm going to make jokes about. Oh. Um, so first one is Manchester by the Sea. I've heard that this movie is good, but I've heard, also heard that it is extremely sad. Yes, I have heard. Um, and it's also, I didn't know this, but I saw something where it led on that Casey Affleck you know, kind of plays this kid in the shadow of his older brother, which, like, really made me feel really bad for Ben Affleck. Because, like, you know, this movie's getting these rave reviews and Casey's getting, you know, all this nomination and shit. And, uh, you know, it's about, like, how sad his brother is to be in in his favor. So I feel bad for him on, like, a big brother standpoint. Yeah. Um, I also, like, traditionally, like, if a movie is you know, too sad. Um, I don't want to watch it. Like, I don't, I, um, you know, there are certain other uh, Best Picture nominees that I have not seen because I've been afraid that they would be too sad to watch. Um, moving on within that world is Moonlight. Uh, this is a movie I really want to see. Yeah, me too. And I feel like this um, one might have what it takes. But I have to. Right. I've also heard that, like, uh, I was we were at uh, a Whiplash one night and that comedian he did a bit and he was like he was a gay guy and he was like I'm really done with straight white guys who've seen Moonlight and you know really love it and, like are out there talking about it and I'm like uh, I I think you know I'm interested to see it still so that's kind of been like it put me off at that point I don't even know if that was weird that I said that but um, yeah you know Moonlight I do want to see it. I've heard really great things about it, but I heard that as soon as I heard that statement, it connected me back to my friend who had said it in like the exact like hipster Brooklyn way. Like I saw Moonlight. It was great. It was a great movie. Um, so <laughs> I, I don't know. SNL I'm curious. The other week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. About La La Land. Uh, yeah. But. So last movie, at, which I think I'm probably going to try to watch first is Lion. I really want to see this movie. It comes highly recommended from Shana's parents, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm down. I really do want to see uh, Nicole Kidman and Dev Patel in this crazy movie. I've heard it was really beautiful, and uh, I'm down. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's going to win, though. Yeah, you never know. I, so, okay, if you were put on the spot, what would you say is your winner of Best Picture? I think Moonlight is going to win Best Picture. I'm hoping it does. Um, but if La La Land won Best Picture, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, it's certainly possible. Because, you know what? It, that movie does have really great references. And if you were to be turned on to them in some of the ways that we talked about with the Lego Batman movie last week, yeah. That, like, that's, you know, only for the best. So that's fine. I don't think any of the other ones really can win. I think, you know, maybe Manchester by the Sea could win. 
But that would be like in a situation where it was like sweeping everything. So like if you saw like at a certain point in the night, like Casey Affleck won and then like whatever, you know, if that I think that's also an adapted screenplay. If that won, like if it kept winning, like then, you know, maybe. Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, I also like, you know what? I'm curious that happened this year that I think is an interesting conceit in Hollywood specifically for the best actor category. I think that all the best actors that we've seen, you know, in the past few years, Eddie Redmayne in uh, The Theory of Everything, um, you know, uh, there are so many other, uh, oh, uh, Matthew McConaughey in Dallas Buyers Club. There are so many, There's, you know, all these um, recent memories where these male actors will be transforming their bodies. And like, I just think that the conceit that those should always win is like uh, a little bit tired. So I'm interested to see that now that nobody really did that this year, yeah. <laughs> like uh, who would come out on top? Um, because I thought, you know, uh, fucking poor Michael Keaton got robbed, and that's when yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio said, "All right, here comes the Revenant." You know, right. like do this. Like I got to do it. So I'm curious to see what happens now. Um, that that's not going to be the issue. Maybe um, it, it is a trend that has come and gone. I hope it, I hope it has. Um, um, so yeah. I feel like we've covered kind of the big ones here. Just a, a few smaller little things that, um, you know, uh, best animated feature, I feel like is always a really interesting category. Uh, I, it's uh, Kubo and the Two Strings, Moana, My Life as a Zucchini, The Red Turtle and Zootopia. Um, it's, uh, I'm going to tease a little, uh, piece that I'm trying to work on. Um, I want to go back and look at a lot of the animated movies from 2016, um, including Moana and Zootopia. Um, I, I don't think either of those are, are going to get it. I think it's probably going to be Kubo and the Two Strings. Um, I think it's going to go to Kubo. I think that Laika deserves it. I think that it's more of a recognition of the, all of their work than just Kubo. Yeah. Um, which is silly because they give it to fucking Pixar every year anymore. And maybe Pixar doesn't always deserve them. Like when it won from with Monsters University, it, didn't that win or something? Uh, something like that. Like, and that, yeah, like there's like, got to be other stuff out there. It doesn't need There's got to be other things. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, I, I hope that Kubo wins. I did not see Kubo, but I heard great things. Yeah, I have to Did you see Kubo? No, but I have heard great things as well. Um, uh, I'm bummed that there is a, you know, there's so many movies that come out with the Oscar nominations now. It makes it so much harder. Yeah. But now with the screeners, I guess it's all just you know, it is what it is. Yeah, and I think the hard thing is like there's no there's no real way of knowing as you go throughout the year. Like, like you know, I I usually have a list of movies as the year is progressing of the ones that I want to see. Um, and then it's hard to tell like, oh, is this going to be an Oscar bait movie? And, you know, I never am able really to crank out and see all, all the, the nominees in the last week. So it'd be nice to try to be able to keep up with them a little bit more. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I like, I like what I like. Did you see, uh, OJ made in America? Nope. I have not. That was a good, that was pretty cool, man. That was worth the investment. 
You know what I did uh, see, and I cannot believe that is considered an Oscar-nominated movie? Suicide Squad. <laughs> Best makeup and hairstyling, and I hope it doesn't win, because... Come on. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, it'll be certainly interesting. Um, we uh, will certainly give a, a mini little recap on our next uh, time through, just to see how, how things actually panned out. But, um, yeah. Thank you very much for all tuning in. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at LLH Podcast. You can also check us out at longlostheroespodcast.net. Um, you can now, uh, I'm happy to announce that you can uh, type our URL into iTunes uh, podcast on your iPhone and it will come up, and it will load, and it will sync because the RSS feed is now up. We're just waiting on uh, iTunes to give us the okay. Uh, but if you want to, you can go ahead and you can type it in, and we'll uh, link uh, how to do that in the description. Um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, thank you, Frank. Yeah, of course, man. Anytime. And I'm glad that uh, we ha- got a chance to chat tonight and look forward to our our next episode, episode five, um, probably a recap of Logan, um, some other news yeah, That is actually what episode five is going to be. That's not even probably. It's, That's it's it. the future, man, and we already know. <laughs> and uh, I might have some some things to say about Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, so if we have enough time. So, wow. Stay tuned. All right. But all right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you very much. Take care. Have a good week.